back up to that first step. Uh, it's uh, not even collapsed too far, but uh, it's adequate to get back up. Roger, we copy. That's a pretty good little jump. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Welcome to church in the wild. Let's give it up for the worship team. That was awesome. Um, I love the music today. Super helpful music uh, for me. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible. I should know its exact reference, but I don't. But it's, uh, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And I was thinking about that in that last song. And the idea of that song is, is that there's a deer. It's been running from something that's chasing it. It is exhausted. It has barely escaped whatever is, is after it. And now it is thirsty. It's run into a dry place to try to get away. And it's just longing like dying for water. And that is how David said he feels about God. I feel like desperate. Like I've got to have more of you. It's a beautiful psalm. I thought it went so well. Uh, it just is a good reminder for us that we, we think we need a lot of things. We think we need a lot of people. We think we need a lot of, if I had this, truthfully, we need God. That's what we need. That's what all of us craves. God is the person that we are craving. God is the thing that we are longing for. And for those of us who, who have chosen to follow him, we sometimes think that because we chose to follow him, we've got him, and that's, that's that. But the more I know God, the more I want of God, the more I um, read about God, the more I want to talk about God, the more I study about God, the more I want to just study about him. And so I love that passage. I, uh, that song was beautiful. Uh, we got some really cool things coming up here at Church in the Wild. Let me say first that groups are uh, groups are running now, and groups are super helpful. Very important part of church life is being a part of a group and just studying the Bible together with some friends. It helps because I, I found that it helps me because there's times where I'm like, I don't know what that means, and then um, I'll be in a group with some people and we kind of talk through it together, and I'm like, oh. I understand what that means, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks whatever it is. It's just helpful. It's, it's very helpful. So those are running. Uh, we, we have a new series that begins next week where we're going to talk a lot about our, our, just our relationships that are every day a part of our life. And we're, we're actually bringing some friends. One of, them, one of them is a really good friend of mine. I meet with him about once a month um, uh, and some of you might know him. His name is Ben Buchanan. He, he used to punt for Ohio State, and then now he works for, uh, the, the, the I think, the Big Ten Network or Fox, or he does the show, whatever it is. He recently got married, and um, he and I meet. We get coffee once a month, and we just were talking about marriage and talking about life and talking about college. And, and so he's going to come do one of them, and we're, I'm just going to interview him and his new wife and talk about marriage with them. And then um, I'm really excited for this. Uh, one of my mentors' names is Dean Falks. He, he pastors LifePoint Church. LifePoint has five campuses all around the city of Columbus, and Dean um, is the one to blame for me being a church planner, and I remind him of that all the time. I'm like, this was your idea, so you can take all the blame for everything I say that gets you in trouble. Um, 
he's, he's coming as well, and, and he's bringing his wife, and we're just going to talk to them a little bit about marriage. And so I'm really excited about this series. There'll be some, some other guys and, and their wife, and then we'll, we'll have some sermon mixed in with that. It's going to be really fun, and I think it's super helpful. Just We're just going to talk about life, relationships, how to live in community with people who you live with. So, um, But today... Today's a very special day. Today's a very big day. Today is an important day. You should have on your chair a card that looks like this. Um, if you don't, there should be one near you. Uh, or if not, we can get you one. I am going to need another mic at one point. Uh, like uh, some one of you worship team guys, if you have a mic, I'm going to need one at some point. I don't think there's one up here. Um, so um, we are talking about three, two, one step. This has been a big part of January for us. We've been in this sermon series as we, thank you, as we talked about Nehemiah and we've kind of walked through this series together and just looked at what Nehemiah did when he began to get a vision from God to fix the city that was broken down. Nehemiah looked at the city that he loved and he looked at the people he loved and he said, man, we could be doing more for these people. And so he began to talk to people. He began to talk to a king. And we said that God's vision comes from a place of care for others. It always comes from like, man, I care for others and I love people and I want to help more. And then we talked a little bit about that. We talked about like how a lot of us believe that because we're not kings, we can't be generous. And so week one, we kind of dispelled this myth that is a very common myth in America. And the myth goes something like this. Well, if I win the Powerball or get drafted into the NFL, or if I become a celebrity because of this TikTok dance that I made, then at that point, that's when I should become generous because then I'll be, in America's eyes, a king. And only kings can be generous is kind of how we look at things here. But we talked about how Nehemiah and a group of slaves rebuilt the entire wall because generosity is not about what we have, it's about who we are. And then we talked a little bit about how there's another myth in America that says something like this. Well, if I give God some time or some of my talents or an occasional gift every now and then, I don't need to be generous because that's enough. And then we talked about how in week two about how the priest modeled biblical generosity by, by giving and taking care of God first and then helping those around them. And then the priest actually took care of themselves last after working on other people. And again, in, in week two, we talked about this idea that that sounds like, well, they're priests, they should do that. But they were priests to slaves. They were living on 10% income from slaves at that time. And then last week, we, we talked a little bit more about this just idea of taking a step. And we said that God gives to his people, and then we said that God gives through his people. And so this week, this is something that God put on my heart about a year and a half ago, and we began to like walk through this. I did, and I began to walk through it with some other pastors, and then I began to walk through it with some of our elders, and then I began to walk through it with some of our leaders. And so this year, today... We are unveiling this vision that's called 321 Step. And the idea of it is we want to, as a church, take three steps over two years as a part of one big vision. And the first part of this is to take a step next door. We as a church 
have a vision out of a place of care for our community to do more in our community. Now, currently, we work with several organizations in our city. One of them is called FCA Westerville. It is Fellowship of Christian Athletes Westerville. And this is really cool. I'm going to talk about this for a minute. This is super cool. So growing up, I loved soccer. I loved football. I loved basketball. I'm a better athlete than Jesse Parthmore, but barely, barely. And so I didn't really play a lot of sports. I didn't really get to do a lot of those things. But, man, I love sports, and I always pray, God, would you somehow provide a way for me to combine my passion for Jesus with my passion for sports? And one day a man called me. He said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about leading FCA Westerville. And so I, I sat down with him, and he said, hey, would you be interested in being the chaplain for Westerville Central's boys basketball team, the varsity team? Sure, I would love that. And so uh, we start, I started doing that a little bit, and then all of a sudden he was like, hey, by the way, we like what's happening here, so we want to add the JV to it. So over the last couple of weeks, there's been 18 boys every week that I just get to go do a Bible study with on Wednesday, share the gospel with them, and pray with them. But what's cool is that God, I believe that when we take a step through doors, God opens doors wide open. So in the middle of helping the boys' basketball team, the same man called me and said, I love what's going on. I want to know if you'll also become the chaplain in the fall for the boys' football team, the varsity team. So I'm like, sure, I would love that. That would be fun. And then he said, well, since you're willing to do that, will you become the chaplain for the, the JV team as well? So right now, our church has the opportunity on a weekly basis in Westerville Central High School to share the gospel with about 100 kids. Just weekly, just pour into kids. And it's, it's been awesome so far. Like I, I had boys talk to me about, man, I need you to pray for my mom. I need you to pray about this. Would you pray with me? Some of them crying after games, just talking to me like, this is all I know is sports and it's ending soon. And I don't know. It, it's just been an incredible opportunity for our church to do that. We also work with something called Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness is, man, it's, it's, I think Columbus is one of the highest cities in human trafficking in America. Out of Darkness, every weekend, has volunteers who go into the inner city, they find victims of trafficking, and they tell them, God has another option for you. And what they do then is, should those people be willing to escape the people who are holding them as slaves. They help them find a safe home. And in that safe home, they have rehab, they have job applications, job training. It's beautiful. And I just want you to hear this number because this number is so important. They've been doing this for a long time. Our church started partnering with them two and a half years ago. And we've re we receive a text every time a lady escapes and hides in an out-of-darkness home around the city. And we've received 247 of those texts in the last two and a half years. It's incredible what they're doing. It is absolutely incredible. I believe human trafficking is the biggest plague on America right now. It is Horrible, the amount of human victims we have being held slaves.
and this group is working actively to fight against them. We also work with a group called Stowe Mission. Stowe Mission does events, they do care, they do dental, they have dental clinics, they have vision clinics, they have a hospital clinic. They do all these things to help people in, the, in one of the highest impoverished parts of our city. Then we do something called Wildlife Weeks. Wildlife Weeks, I'm super excited to talk about this. Wildlife Weeks are really important. Wildlife Weeks are where we just love our city wildly. And what we do is we talk other churches from all around America into flying or driving here, and we give them the run of sports camps. And so what they do is they, they give free sports camps to everyone in our community. We, we pay a, quite a good bit of money to help fund this. And then we just love on our community by giving our community free sports camps. And this is important because uh, there's a lot of families in our city that can't afford a $250 camp that's, that's two days for their kid to kick a soccer ball. They just can't afford it. So we provide an equally good camp for free. And this is a really cool story. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I were eating somewhere, and there was a man kind of across the table from us, and uh, he just kind of kept looking over. You ever get the feeling like, that guy wants to talk to us? Like, I think he wants to say something. We just haven't figured out what it is yet. And finally, he said, we got up to leave, and he said, I've been trying to figure out if I've seen you on TV or in person before. What is it? I said, well, I'm not on TV, man, so it's got to be in person. And he said, do you do sports camps? I said, yeah, our church does sports camps. This is so, so powerful. The man told me a couple years ago, my father was dying. My son, who was sitting with him at the time, he said, loved his grandpa and was just heartbroken over the fact that his grandfather was going to pass away soon. And he kept saying, the summer's over, the summer's ruined, I don't even want to have summer. And he was just crushed. And so we prayed about, as a family, how do we find a sports camp for this kid to go to, to maybe make some friends and have some fun? And he said, but we couldn't afford $500, $1,000 for a week of camp. And someone put on Facebook, hey, there's a free sports camp that's happening, at the, and, and we came to your sports camp. And he said, you changed my son's life with that camp. Because there was people there who just loved him, and they didn't even know how bad a seven-year-old could hurt. And he said, my son's life was changed because you guys did a wildlife week. And I just wanted to tell you, that's what God is doing in our community. That is so powerful. We also do something called Northern Nights. Northern Nights is kind of a new idea. It's like a family event every fall. And what we're doing is just saying, hey, we love our community. We love the fall here. It's beautiful here. Let's just enjoy it together. We do missions trips. We, we've been on a lot of different missions trips. We recently did one uh, in Dayton, Ohio. It was a blast. It was fun. We did one in, in Detroit, Michigan. We've gone to an Arapahoe Indian Reservation. I've been able to go to, um, to a one in Brazil. And we've got an, a one that we can take and go on to India. We've got the opportunity to reach people and help people in India whenever we can. We also work with a group called Send Relief who help. They're the first people who arrive at any natural disaster in America. And then Send Network, which is uh, a church planning network. It was really cool. I went to one of these events uh, last week and met three guys and just kind of helped talk to them about some ideas and give them some faith and hope uh, because they're going to be planning churches in our, in our city soon. And so it's really exciting to see that. So that's a step next door. We believe that all of those things are awesome and they're very important and they're very helpful, but we believe that God can do even more in the very near future 
if we're willing to take a step next door, if we're willing to say, this is what God's doing, we as a church are going to take a step into what's next for us. The second step that we want to take over the next two years is a step into the future. And this one weighs heavy on my heart. One third of Church in the Wild is under the age of 13 right now. This is a wild number to me. Uh, we desperately need to enhance our nursery spaces. Our nursery ha- will grow from 3 to 13 this year. This year. Uh, we desperately need classrooms for multiple ages groups. So what we have happening, I'll give you like a brief rundown of this. What we have on a Sunday is about 20 to 30 kids of all ages in one big room that we separate with curtains just like we do in here, and we're trying our absolute best to equip them to handle the rest of their life. It's awesome, and it's, it's incredible. Like, I love what happens. Seeing the kids, seeing kids come in, being able to talk to the children and just have them talk to me a little bit about what God is doing in their life is incredible. But I also think that we need to be able to teach them by individual age groups. And to accomplish that, we need individual rooms or individual spaces so that a two-year-old, two through four-year-olds are not being taught the same lesson that an eight and a 10-year-old are being taught. Why? Because we want to disciple kids up. We don't want to dumb the gospel down for children. We want to disciple them up. We want to be able to, to do more and more and teach them more and more. Why? Because I believe that the future of our church is in our kids' church right now. And so we want to be able to equip them to the best of our ability. We also need student ministry space and events. Our student ministry, last year, I had a a kind of a sermon like this, and I said, if you're interested in helping in student ministry, would you please come talk to me? What I don't think anybody knew at the time is that we had one, one student that was in that group. But we just sat down with them and said, hey, we believe God's gonna bring more students here soon, and so we gotta be ready. This week, uh, the teenagers, the students will go uh, skiing or tubing, I believe, and there'll be 10 of them going. This is in one year that we've gone from one to 10. And it's happening quickly, what God is doing, and we want to be able to do more for that. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I asked Mark to uh, come up here and just talk a little bit because the kids are already, you, you can come on up, the kids are already involved in this. The kids are already a part of this, and they're doing something really cool in Kids Church to help us get to what we're talking about here. So I don't know. Do I need to turn this on, or is it on? Turn it on. Okay. Mark, you probably know more about this thing than me. I'll be on? You're on. Cool. Well, for Bengals fans, who day? Who day? (laughs) I'll forgive you. That's okay. Um, (laughs) So I'm Mark Filippi. I serve in the Kids in the Wild ministry, and um, I started pre-pandemic, maybe a couple of months before the pandemic started. Uh, It's been great. I I joined the ministry because someone told me it was called the Wild Kids Ministry. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's kind of a crazy name for a kids ministry. But then I met Isla. And I was like, oh, I got it. (laughs) Uh, She's wonderful. So really fast, uh, it's critically important um, that we get the kids involved in this three-two-one-step program. It's a great time for us as parents to start to shepherd our kids' hearts in understanding what generosity means, um, giving, and even tithing. So um, 
we're here as a resource to help parents. It's, it's kind of um, intimidating to think about. We have to teach this concept to our kids. They'll either learn it when they're a kid um, or they'll have a more difficult time trying to learn or relearn as an adult. So right now is really the time to start this process. Um, we have a lot of resources. We're going to be talking about it through over the year. The kids are going to make a little giving box, and they'll bring it home when um, parents decide that it's time to, to start entrusting their kids with a little bit of finances. Um, they can put a part of that into the box. They'll bring it in at the end of the school year, um, and we'll celebrate that. Teaching them that God can do amazing things with just a little uh, offering. Um, having them learn to share their time, their things, and their finances. So this is what we'll be focusing on. We're over there um, for, and there's 18 kids this morning. It was amazing. <laughs> um, we're over there anytime to stop by, talk to us, ask us about, you know, how do I have this conversation? What do I say? And more importantly, when do I start? So we're there as resources, and um, hopefully, you know, as this grows, We'll be sharing, you know, God did these amazing thing, things through these little tiny offerings from your kids. So, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give it up for Mark. Great job. Thank you. I love it. Um, so, in our house, we got one of these boxes, and um, pirates come and leave treasures for our daughter to find regularly. And uh, she's been super excited because she told me, well, now the pirates are leaving treasures that I can give to Jesus. And so she takes the treasures and she puts them in the box. And it's just super exciting. I love the idea of our kids learning these things. And then we want to, as a church, next take a step in generosity. We want to take a step as a church in generosity. We believe in generosity and discipleship. Uh, we want to be able to provide more devotionals. We want to be able to help more families. We want to be able to provide marriage counseling. We talked about this recently, but one thing that we do here at Church in the Wild, the thing that's really important to us is we say, you know what, we can help a bit. And if we can't help, we will point you to counselors who can help. And not only that, but we will help pay for you to get that help in your, in your relationship. It's very important to us. Also, wildlife groups. We do a lot more with our wildlife groups and then with our Connect Center, the area where you meet before and after the service. That just doesn't happen. People set it up. People pay for things. People bring things in. People provide things. And it's a big step in generosity to be able to do that. But we believe God wants us to do more. And this is where it gets very important. We believe... And as a part of this step into generosity, we need to be more generous with our finances. So last year, 59 people gave a weekly gift. And that means that six, we, last year we brought in 634 total gifts financially. Of the total gifts, Tidely, which is the online source that we use, said that 49% of them were under $100. 35.8% uh, were under $250. And then 9.78% percent were for less than 500 and then three percent were for over a thousand which was about 3.15 percent and then tithely also told us that people give to church in the wild there are 17 people who give very frequently and what all these numbers mean is that there are people who every week or every two weeks or once a month are frequently they're just regularly giving they've set up online a giving platform and they said this is just a part of what i'm doing 
And then they said that there were 26 people. Now, these are not my numbers. This is our on online people. Uh, they said 26 people last year gave for the first time. This is awesome. This, this is incredible. What this shows is the growth of our church, not only in the generosity discipleship part, but also in the fact that our church is just growing. Because what it said is that 26 people last year said, hey, I've never given before, and I'm going to open up the app when you do the giving talk, and I'm just going to give. This means we're growing wider, but it also means we're growing deeper. And then they said there were 36 people who infrequently gave. And what this means is like, there are some people who every time they came in, they said, you know what, um, I don't want to like set up online giving on my phone, so I'll just give when I come in. So like, oh, I'm here a couple of times a year, and so I'll do this amount. And so as a part of this, we believe that if we take a step in this, we believe that as a church, we can then step into a different facility that helps us take a step next door, and it helps us take a step into financial uh, generosity, and it helps us take a step into the future of our church. And so we see a facility that ties back to our vision and our mission statement of going anywhere to tell everyone about the love of Christ. So our goal is an open multi-purpose facility where we can gather for worship and to connect. We see a need as a, a church family to, to take a step into this place and to say, this is where we need to go next. We see a place where we can grow where people connect with our creator, his creation, and with each other through worship, prayer, family equipping, preaching, wildlife group, men and women ministry, and community. And so, the step that we as a church want to take says that taking a step financially as church members allows us to find a facility to lease in the very near future. And this is really an important part of this whole conversation. Whenever I get to this point in this talk, someone says to me, why aren't we just buying a building for a couple million dollars? And I would love that. In order for us to buy a building, we need 16.9 families who move into our community and each tithe $9,600 per year. And we need them like now. If you look around, they can't fit in this building. There is a number in church metrics that says this if you are at 80 percent of your your capacity you no longer grow and not only do you not grow you begin to decline as a church and what that means is that eight out of ten seats are full people stop coming and people stop inviting and here's why they do it they walk in and if they're a first-timer, they're like, this place is packed. I can't find a seat. It's too hectic. It's too much going on. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel at ease. And so I'm not coming back. And the other part of it is like, hey, I came and I feel like we're already full, so I don't need to invite my friends and I don't need to invite my families because look, at we're packed as it is. Now, here's the big part of all this. Our kids' space is above 80% capacity. Our teen space is above 80% of their capacity. Our nursery is above 80% of their capacity. And in our auditorium today, we're really close to 80% of our capacity on a day where we have five families who are sick. We average above 80% of our capacity. And if you haven't noticed, we've started putting in more seats each week to just try to fill further and further and further back. And we have as many seats now in our auditorium as we did when Kane came to do their worship concert. 
And we're almost at 80% of that capacity. And so we've got to make a choice as a church to either take a step into the future of our church or to say, you know what, this is it. This is what we are. We can continue on our current giving pace and it will take us 10 years to be into a new facility. I don't know about you, I don't really want to set curtains up that fall on my head for 10 more years. So we either need to say as a church body, this is something we're doing, or we need to say setting up curtains is fine, and so every one of us is taking a curtain and we're doing this. That's the choice we need to make as a church. God's given us a vision. We want to invest in equipping families. We want to do more local missions. And we have some really great companies like uh, Finish Line that just called us and they were talking to Dylan and I. They're like, hey, we want you guys to do mission with us. And we're like, we want to too. How do we make this happen? We want to have an increased focus on connection, on discipleship. We want to have, be generous to other church plants. God's given uh, just a heart to me for planters, people who say, you know what, we're going to start a church where there never was one. And this week I was able to help three who are coming to the city of Columbus soon. But God's given us a dream and a vision to help more and do more. When I, start, when we, when we, I started pastoring, we, we launched Church in the Wild with almost 20 other church planners. And 12 of them either quit or ended up in failure soon after COVID. It's really hard to plan a church. And yet the, the easiest, best, most effective way of sharing the gospel is to plant churches. And so if we're going to do more, we're going to plant more churches, we need to be able to do that. We want to provide relief to hurting people and find a facility where we as a church can step up. Step up in kids' spaces, group spaces, in our worship center, in our teen spaces, in connect spaces, in merch and coffee spaces. Amen for coffee spaces. Uh, and in our office spaces. Currently, we meet in here and we rent another facility for our offices. We pay a third of their rent for a couple of offices where we could have one place where we're just meeting together throughout the week. And so, this is where we have to make a decision just like Nehemiah and the leaders of Israel did. We have to realize that if these things are going to happen, it is because we are willing to take a step. Nehemiah was willing to go to, to the leader of his, the enemies. The leaders of Jerusalem were willing to take a step and begin to give. The priests were willing to take a step and begin to be generous. The people were willing to take a step and begin to give. And we talked last week about how a group of slaves gave thousands and thousands and thousands, and they built a city in 52 weeks. And so we have to arrive at the conclusion that if I take a step, our church can take a step. This is just where we are as a church. I see the need. You see the need. Most of you come to me and say, we, we need a different space. Most of you come to me and say it. We see the need. It's here. But we have to decide whether or not it's going to come to us or through us. We have to ha decide if this is going to come as a result of us taking a step or if we're just going to wait and see what happens. And so there's some steps that we can take financially. There are some steps from non-giver to an occasional giver. This means you, some of us are willing to say, I'm willing to become someone 
I never gave before, but I'm going to start now. And I can't give you yet 10% of my income, but I can give occasionally. That's a big step for some people. And for all those of you who are willing to take that step, I personally say thank you. That's a big step. It's not easy to do. So thank you. There are some who are already occasional givers, and for some of you, that step might be to go from an occasional giver to a frequent giver. This is also a big step. And to all those of you who are willing to take that step so that we can step into the future and we can step next door, I want to say thank you. That is such a big step. To go from saying, you know what, at Christmas and Easter I give to, man, I'm going to give all the time, regularly. Then there's another step, from frequent giver to tither. And this is a hard step to take, truthfully. It's a hard step to say, you know what, I give $20 a week. I'm part of that 50% of the church that gives this much per week. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God's going to get my first 10%. It's a hard step. I realize that I'm, that's a big step for a lot of people to take. But to anyone who is willing to take that step, I want to say thank you. And then there are some who you say, you know what, I already tithe. I got that. We do that. Then I would ask you, are you willing to go from being a tither to someone who is generous? Are you willing to take a step from someone who says, God already gets my 10% and just begin to think and to pray and to ask God, what else can I do? How else can I be generous? And we're going to do this through something that's in your chair. It's this card right here. And it is a two-year pledge campaign. So in every chair, we put a card today. And on the left side of it, it has a thing that says name, phone, email, address. Some of you say, oh, you already have my name. We may, but we'd like to have it again. That would be super helpful for us. And then on the other side of the card, it says this. My one-year tithe is the top line. Now, for some of you, you say, I don't tithe, so I don't know this. Okay, I understand that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But for those who say, you know what, I'm taking the step to tithe. This is going to be the year where I begin to tithe. If you know your 10%, you're going to want to put that on that top line. Now, it says underneath times two. That is not because I'm asking you all to instantly start giving 20%, so don't panic. I'm not asking you that. What times two means is that what would that number be for two years? So if you were to say the average Westerville income 65,000 to 95,000. If you're in the middle and you say, you know, we make 75,000. So 7,500 would be your one year tithe times two. I'm not good at math, but I think it's 15,000. That would be that number. Then underneath of it is your generosity step. And this is for everyone who already tithes or for those of you who say, I've never tithed before and you're asking way too much of me. I can't do that and I won't do it. If that's you, and you're willing to say, however, what I will do is I will give this much over the next two years. I'll give $20 a week over the next two years. I'll give $50 a week over the next two years because I see what the kids need. I see what the teens need. I see that we can do more missions. I see the need. Whatever that number is, that goes in the generosity step. And then you just want to add all the numbers together. And at the bottom, it says my total three, two, one step commitment. This is your two-year commitment and whatever that amount is for you. 
And what we're saying there is that if we all are willing to take this step, we can very quickly be where God wants us to be. So I'll give you an example. We've done a couple meetings like this before, before today. And in those meetings, we've had 10 cards turned in. And those 10 cards equaled up to $263,000. So 10 people said, I'm willing to take a step. And so we went from having a two-year goal of 575000 to 10 people said, we are going to pay for 263000 of that. And that means that if the rest of us are just willing to take a step, we can be where we want to be. Last year, we brought in $206,890.50. So projected for two-year giving at Church in the Wild, we would bring in $412,000. This 321-step goal would be to arrive at $575,000 in two years. That means that we can spend $34,500 stepping next door, $30,000 stepping into the door of the future and taking care of our children and taking care of our teens and our students, and $98,500 into the door of generosity. That number with the money we've already saved puts us into a facility just like that and we begin to rock and roll just like that. It's doable if each one of us is willing to take a step. So right now, <coughs> excuse me, you say, okay, well, why would I do that? I just want to give you a couple numbers and then we'll, we'll continue to move on. I said this one earlier, but one-third average attendance of our church is under the age of 18. That's unheard of in churches. There's a lot of churches that have a really active kids ministry and then what they arrive at is like well when you become a teenager just just do what you want or there's some that say we don't really care about the kids but we're going to have a really active student ministry those are not good enough things for us we believe in discipling families and that means that if you have teenagers and students we want to disciple your family and that means if you have children we want to disciple your family and so right now a third of our church is under the age of 18 God is doing what we're asking him to do. Not only that, but we've had over 215 salvations since we launched. This is unheard of in church plants. 35 baptisms. We are a multi-generational and a multicultural church, which is nearly impossible to be. But we have almost seven different nationalities represented on a Sunday at our church. God is doing what we're asking him to do. God is reaching multiple generations and multiple cultures at the same exact time. And we are committed to sharing the gospel and equipping families wherever we are. So, what's our step? What's our step? As a church, we can say, we'll just keep doing it the way we're doing it for the next decade. We won't grow for 10 more years, but when we, get, when we get a space, then we'll grow. Or all of us can say, man, we care about our future. We care about our city. We care about those who live next door to us. We care about families. 
And so we're willing to take a step because if I take a step, our church can take a step. So what I'm going to ask you today, we're going to do an invitation in just a minute. In just a minute, the worship team, worship team, you guys can come up here. What I'm going to ask you to do today, like I said, 10 people have already filled out these cards. And this, is, this was important to me. I, as I read through the book of Nehemiah, I realized that Nehemiah went to leaders first and said, if, if we're going to ask people to do this, we need to do this. So full disclosure, my wife and I, we did one of these cards. And the amount in that card financially hurts. But we believe in what God is doing here, so we're going to be willing to do it. And it wasn't easy. When we filled it out, we're like, eh, sure about this? Are you sure about this? It wasn't easy. And I think I told you this last week. Since we said that, both of our vehicles had a problem. Our dog had a problem. We, like, just everything happened. It's, it's not always easy. But we believe in it. We believe in you and we believe in your family. So what I would ask you to do today is just to begin to pray. Begin to pray about what this pledge card looks like for you. Begin to pray about what is my step? What does that look like? How do we arrive at it? Where, are we, where is God taking us? Do we want to be a part of God happening? I decided a long time ago, rather than ask God to give to me, I wanted God to give through me. And that's just been something that I've just tried to live by, a motto. I want God to go through, not just to. And so we're at a point, it's not a normal Sunday sermon where I preach. We, we're, not, we're just at a point where this, this is where we need to be. We need to be praying about God, what's the step? I think we all see the need. So many of you come to me and you're like, man, we need this. But the ultimate question is, are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to be a part of that? I will tell you, it requires faith. It requires a lot of faith. Cool thing is, none of this was here five years ago. But some people said, we're going to take a step and plant a church that it doesn't exist. We're just going to start it. Because of that step, we're all at a place where we can take a step. So in 15 years, whose story is going to be impacted by the step that you take today? If you're willing to turn in one of these cards, you can do this by simply adding all those numbers up and then folding it and putting it in the offering box that we have in the Connect Center. It's a big wooden box. You don't have to do it today. If you want to, you can. If you want to spend more time praying in it, take, take 30 days and pray about it. But this is the step that our church needs to take. And it's the step that I hope we as a church will take. So I'm leaving it up to you. It's your call on whether we take this step or not. I pray that we arrive at the same conclusion. So when we worship, I'm going to come down here in just a minute. I'm going to pray. I'll pray with anyone who wants to pray. We don't have to pray about God help me win the Powerball. We don't have to pray about God give us, you know, a $7 million building. We don't have to pray about, hey, I don't, like, I don't want to pray about money. You don't have to do that. I'll pray with you about anything that you want to pray about. Perhaps today you just want to pray about the Bengals. Whatever it is, we'll pray about it. But I would love for you to pray about, God, what's my step? What are you calling me to? Let's pray. Church, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us today. You matter to God and you matter to us. And we believe here at Church in the Wild that we walk best when we walk together. So thank you for walking with us today. 
if you're interested in taking a step in all of the areas that we talked about today, would you please do us a favor and fill out a three, two, one step pledge card. On that pledge card, there'll be a couple of different options for you to fill out. When you're finished, will you please place it in the offering box that's in the Connect Center? If you have any questions about that pledge card, I'll be in the Connect Center today, and I'm happy to talk with you about that. Speaking of the Connect Center, we believe that everyone has the next step in their spiritual journey. Whether they're unsaved, new believer, or they are a veteran in their faith, God has a next step for them, and we believe at Church in the Wild, it's our job to equip them to take that step. And so we believe that everyone's next step begins in the Connect Center. In the Connect Center, you'll find volunteers wearing shirts like mine. They'll say three, two, one step, or connect, or serve, or grow. Anyone wearing one of those shirts can answer questions you might have about how to join a group, how to join Pipeline, how to join a ministry, how to be uh, a part of a serving team, how to go on a mission trip, be saved, be baptized. Any of those questions that you have, they can be answered in the Connect Center. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to connect with you in there after the service. Always remember, church, that you matter.